What's up, podcast listeners? It's Andy and Drew here, back with a fresh and exciting episode. We are at episode 35 of the What's Up Castleberry podcast. We're happy to have you today, and we hope that you enjoy our casual conversations about the community of Castleberry, as well as as Seminole County and Central Florida as a whole. Andy and I get together once a week on Tuesday mornings to enjoy just a, a time of conversation. And we hope that you find the information, not only informational, but inspiring as you go about your week, seeking to be a more engaged and involved citizen. Andy, my friend, welcome. Hey, Drew, how are you? Just to clarify what you said, you said we get together for a conversation on Tuesday mornings. And because we released this at 7 a.m. I don't want our listeners thinking that we're up at five o'clock on Tuesday morning recording this because both of us, I, I believe, like our sleep so much. So we do pre-record. <laughs> I wanted to give that mystery, Andy, of uh, you ruined it now, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> I, I, I like folks to feel like, oh, wow, these guys are just so, this is such a priority for them that they- yeah, that's right. Coming live from the streets of Castleberry <laughs> at 2 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a that's a good as intro as any. Uh, in addition to doing this podcast every week, Andy, we were actually out and about on the town. We were partying in downtown Orlando <laughs> the other day. There you go again, Drew, giving a false impression of what's really happening. You make it sound like we're some hip, cool, young, stay out all night folks where really we went to the soccer game. We moved to the driest place we could in the stadium because we didn't want to get wet. And we left to make home just on time, got home as soon as we can because we had to be up early in the morning. So let's uh, let's just tell the truth about that one too. <laughs> That's right. I, you know, listeners, I guess if you know me, any attempts of Drew trying to look cool or act cool just fails miserably. (laughs) I am in the same boat. We need as much help as we can get. But again, I think there's something uh, very cool about us being vulnerable and and real as well. But we did have fun. We went to see Orlando City, who at the time of recording are on a MLS club record unbeaten seven-game streak. Uh, Hopefully by the time this comes out on Tuesday, we will have not lost in Dallas as well. So we'll be able to say an eight-game streak. But uh, Sure is good to see our hometown soccer team doing so well right now. Absolutely. Love the the support for our local hometown team, as you said. Well, Andy, speaking of hometown, let's uh, take our Castleberry in the news segment. We are looking at things all around Castleberry, news, notes, uh, just different things that we've either read or seen or observed. In this case, Andy, I I brought this to your attention. You and I've kind of talked off the air about the intersection of 436 and 1792. Now that is a a very frequented intersection. It kind of frames our, our city. The flyover was built in part to help alleviate some of the traffic issues there, which we're very thankful for our leaders for building that flyover and thinking of traffic patterns. But on that intersection on that corner uh, over the past several weeks, if you've driven by, depending on the particular day or time of day, you may have noticed uh, some groups beginning to gather. 
Andy, we have seen folks predominantly wearing a black t-shirts or black shirts with signs that are supporting the Black Lives Matter movement. And then on kind of the other side of the street, we see folks with big signs and banners and flags that say vote Donald Trump and support Trump and Trump train apparently is a thing. <laughs> Andy, when you think about those groups of individuals, some who are residents of Castleberry, but I would suspect many who are not living in Castleberry, but just chose that intersection because it's busy. What are some of the, the implications, the potential impacts? What, what do you note or observe when you drive through that intersection and see those folks there? Thanks for that question. That's a real easy one to answer. Next week, just give me a yes or no one, will you? Yes. So just to recap, I believe it's every Tuesday, I think maybe between two and six or something, there are two groups that gather on that intersection. There has been uh, a little bit of pushing and shoving that uh, has gone beyond the, what is sadly normal name calling, so much so that the police department have assigned uh, additional officers to man that corner and, and, and try and protect all those involved. Yeah, a few thoughts. One, I support people's right to protest and advocate. I think that's good and healthy for our democracy. I think the lives of our black brothers and sisters matter a whole lot more than our society sometimes says. We need to do all that we can, as we've been very involved in you and I in addressing issues of race and reconciliation. But I think my only request was that as we advocate or protest whichever side of that you're on, that you do so with civility. There have been some ugly pictures that have come out about some conflicts, and that's uh, never a, a good or satisfying a helpful thing. I am concerned that many of the folks who are doing that are from out of town. I do believe that all politics are local in terms that we're most concerned about politics that affect us. That's not to say we shouldn't be engaged and watching with national politics, but it does uh, unsettle me a little that we got folks from out of town coming into our town to use our town as a place to, to protest or advocate. So yeah, I, I respect people's rights. I would ask that they protest peacefully. You know, Drew, we asked the question together, what's our response as we drive by? You know, sometimes you see people, you know, beeping their horns and maybe that just uh, antagonizes it a little bit more. You, you know, I thought, what what would it be look like if maybe one Tuesday we just went out and we took a couple of coolers of cold water and we gave them to the BLM folks and the Trump supporters and just, just tried to build some relationships because at the heart of what makes a community a community is our ability to listen and love and care and understand for one another. So I, I, I don't know if I have the courage to do it, honestly, but whenever we see two parties in disagreement, surely there is an opportunity to bring some reconciliation there. So as I drive by there, as I hear about the stories there from the law enforcement officers, you know, one of the first things in my mind is, hey, what could we do to bring some reconciliation, to bring some peace, create some prosperity uh, within our community through this? Thank you, Andy. A couple things that you said that I made mental note of. Uh, number one, just uh, again, thankful that we have an engaged and informed local police force that our Castleberry police is interested in and engaging 
with our citizens, that this is not a circumstance where huge riot has broken out where things are being reactively responded to. The fact that there are now, because it's, it's sort of a known entity, that as you said, there's, a, there's even a time that's been sort of designated, whether directly or indirectly as Tuesday afternoons being that location. Uh, very thankful that our police care about the well-being of those that are out protesting as well as the citizens of Castleberry at large and are proactively uh, going and, and standing in the gap there. And so thank you, Chief Krantz and, and the Castleberry Chief of Police. Andy? Yeah, a couple, a couple of thoughts on that. One, uh, I don't think this is common knowledge, but I've heard about it through my uh, service with the police department in chaplaincy. I know that the chief and some of his senior staff met with the leaders of both those organizations and they, you know, he listened to them. He tried to support them. He encouraged them to protest or advocate peacefully. And I was just really impressed that he took time uh, in a way that no one will ever know about because he's not making a fuss, sat with the leaders and said, hey, you got your rights, we support your rights, but let's handle this the right way. I thought that was very impressive. And also, Drew, let me take this opportunity to point to our next special episode, which comes out on Friday, where we will be hosting the fourth conversation in our series about race and reconciliation. And this is a very special one because it's about law enforcement and race relations. And Chief Krantz is going to be speaking. One of his officers is going to be speaking, as is uh, Cecil Smith, the police chief from Samford as well. Uh, I really like the approach that we and some of the churches have taken that's saying, hey, let's sit down, let's talk about this, let's work through these issues, uh, let's learn from each other, and let's see what we can do to come up with some solutions, which ultimately, I believe, is what we all want. And so I think the conversations that we've held, even though they've been difficult at times and provocative at times, have really been helpful in achieving the goal which everybody wants, which is a more diverse, more equitable, more peaceful, more respectful uh, city. So I'm encouraged by the steps forward that many in our community are taking towards that. Andy, we clearly spend a lot of time together because you stole <laughs> what my, was going to be my uh, final points as well. I couldn't agree more, listener, for you, because I put myself in the shoes of being concerned maybe a little bit anxious as I drive by there. And it's very easy to look at one or both groups and, and call them sort of the, the other or, you know, just lump a group of people together. And what has been beautiful about the, the conversations led by the local churches in Castleberry, uh, now some conversations happening with the police. I love what you said about Chief Krantz pulling people together. This real desire, and that's one of the goals of this podcast, is to bring people across different lines together so that we recognize that we're all human beings, we're all citizens of this community, and we all have a collective responsibility of seeking and bringing about the peace and the prosperity. So as easy as it is, as easy it is to divide and be divisive, let's not play into that. Instead, let's move towards one another and we and we we are seeking to do that well so thank you andy and thank you castleberry police as well as other citizens who are engaging and bringing about reconciliation
Well, that's uh, as good a time as any to transfer to our next section. Normally, we provide a listener question, and uh, we're going to skip that this week, but instead plug an upcoming segment on our program. Uh, We very much desire to highlight and recognize the good things that are happening in the city of Castleberry. And so Andy, you and I and producer Robin were gathered together recently and we're talking about, hey, there's just some great folks in our community of Castleberry who are doing some great things. And so we thought what better way to recognize them than give them a shout out on the pod. So we're gonna be looking to do sort of a, a monthly community member of the month. That's right, a special plug for a community member of the month. So we want to hear from you, our listeners. Who do you know? Who is serving? Who is leading? Who is inspiring others to make our city of Castleberry a great place to live? If you have someone that you'd like to nominate for the What's Up Castleberry podcast, Community Member of the Month, uh, let us know. You can do so through our Facebook page, Instagram page, our podcast feed, all with the name What's Up Castleberry. You can go to our website and under contact us, the website is whatsupcastleberry.com. But let us know who you nominate and recommend for the Community Member of the Month. Andy, do you want to make a quick aside on that? You, by the way, you can't win. I'm just letting you know that you cannot. <laughs> it's not like the uh, the episode of The Office, right, where we can nominate ourselves. No, we wouldn't wouldn't want to do that. But there are some outstanding folks in our community doing outstanding thankless tasks. And because so often serving in the community is such a thankless task, I'm really excited to say thank you to some of those folks. Excellent. Thank you, Andy. Let's take a minute to highlight our sponsor for the episode. Our sponsor today and for the past several episodes has been All In Construction. All In Construction is locally owned and operated. They've been around since 2008 in Central Florida. If you are looking to remodel, do a home project, anything regarding your home, check out All In Construction. Their website is allinconstruction.com. Kenzie Lolithan, who was a recent guest of our podcast, is a member of the community of Castleberry. Uh, They are in the Chamber of Commerce in Castleberry and very much have a heart for Castleberry. So check out allinconstruction.com. We'll be back with part two of our conversation with some folks from Lake Mary Life Magazine. Welcome back, listeners, to part two of our interview with Chip and Georgia. Hopefully, as you listened last week, you will have learned a little bit more about the Altamont Wakaiva Life magazine and the Lake Mary Publishers. We had a fascinating conversation together where we heard all kinds of inspirational stories and heard how this magazine is making a difference in the very fabric of our community. The great news is last week was so full of great content that Chip 
Chip and Georgia have agreed at no extra charge. Uh, we did tell you guys, you know, we're not giving you anything for this anyway, right? <laughs> to come back once again and continue that conversation. So if you didn't listen to last week, make sure you do. Thank you, Chip and Georgia, for being with us again. Let me jump right in and pick up from last week. You closed by talking about some stories that were close to your heart that you've written about. What are some of those crucial components and vital elements of what makes a great story? Well, you know, storytelling is such a craft, and that's really the favorite part of all this to me. You know, we really define ourselves at Altamont Wakiva Springs Life Magazine and at our company, Lake Mary Life Publishing. We really define ourselves as storytellers, and we're here to tell the remarkable stories of you and your friends and your neighbors who live in these communities that we serve. So what makes a good story? I think part of what makes a good story is the fact that no two are ever alike. Every story is different and everybody has a unique and different story to tell. So it's always fresh. To us, what makes a good story is, I like to say the main character is not only hyper-local, but I love it when the main character is just somebody that you would just never expect. That's what we love about the magazine. Georgia talked in the, the last episode about a woman who's writing cross-country for amazing causes and things. And you just don't even realize that that's your neighbor. Like that's two doors down on your street, right? Or the guy across the street is hiking the Appalachian Trail. My favorite stories was a local business owner. And one of the great things about our magazines is we get to tell the stories of local businesses as well that partner with us for their marketing. And one of my favorite stories was a, a guy who ran a, a carpeting and flooring installation company. He was a military veteran and proud to serve veterans. And he was a Cuban immigrant, which found fascinating. So I wanted to learn about his family. And I remember he told me, you know, he grew up in Cuba as a kid and was young, probably about five, six years old. And one day his parents came to him and said, you know, hey, get ready because we're, we're going on a trip and a vacation to the beach in the next couple of days. And of course, any five-year-old kid would just be excited about that. And then, you know, as we're talking, he tells me, he's like, I, I just found it so weird that a couple nights later, my parents come in my bedroom at two o'clock in the morning and tell me it's, it's time to go on our vacation to the beach. And he was like, oh, that's, well, okay. I mean, I'm still excited, but it's sort of weird to be going on a beach vacation in the middle of the night. Well, of course, as it turned out, it wasn't a beach vacation they were going on. They were sneaking out in the middle of the night trying to catch a boat to leave Cuba and come to Florida. And that's exactly what they did. And then his dad worked as a laborer to support his family when they arrived, then worked his way up to Central Florida, started his own business. Now he's passed that business down to his kid, right, who's now taking it over and growing it. That's incredible. I mean, it's the kind of stuff they make movies out of. And this guy lives on your street. To us, what makes a great story locally is that some of these amazing stories are so unexpected. You just don't know that they're there right underneath your nose. And that's what gets us jazzed. And Georgia, you write so many more of these today than I get to do. I'm jealous, I have to admit. And you just have such a knack for digging these amazing stories out of folks that you'd never expect. How do you feel when you go into these kind of interviews and get surprised like that? Well, first of all, I'll say I am not a good interviewer in that I can just spend hours talking to some. I could probably, I, at the end of my interviews, I'm always like, can we write a book? Like, I think we can go all in on a book, but why are we doing just 700 words? 
But no, I agree with Chip. I feel so fortunate to be in an environment every day that's just positive. And I feel glad that we can produce something and give it to people and say, your turn, like, please let this uplift you the way it's uplifted all of us in the office. And like every time we go to press, it feels like we're giving a little gift to the community and it's all neatly wrapped. And I have to emphasize that this magazine, all our magazines are free to the community thanks to the support of all of our advertisers. So that's what makes it possible. But a great story is just, to me, it's one that teaches you, it educates you, it inspires you. And sometimes I agree with Chip, sometimes they're the most, whoa, like unexpected stories. And then sometimes it's just the feel good, like homegrown stories that I love too. Like I, I did a story a few years ago and it was on a, a group, a small group of older individuals who started a travel group called Conversation Cafe and they'd meet at Panera in Altamont Springs and they still do. And I went and I sat with them. I think we started at 7 p.m. and we talked and we talked. Next thing you know, someone pulls up in the parking lot in, a, in an RV and, one, and they gave a presentation about what it means to travel in their motor home and how much it's brought their little family together. And something that it was a couple that was giving this presentation and they basically said, you know, when we, when we first married, we didn't have a lot of money, but we wanted to travel, we wanted to do things and we wanted to give that to our children. So they started doing, going around the country in an RV and I got to hear their story and I just thought it was so sweet and so sincere. We got to tell the, the motorhome that they have. And my husband and I ended up basically joining the group somehow. <laughs> and uh, we go and we've given presentations on our travels. We've gone to some of their homes for Christmas dinner. And my life has sort of been better for it in an, in an interesting way. And those are the kind of stories that, oh, you could say it's just a little group. They just meet once a week. But there's so much there that impacts these people and they're happy and doing things that they love. The ripple effects of that are, are huge. So I think stories go way beyond the pages of a magazine and they just seep into the world and release a lot of good vibes. We do that and we're in the business of doing that. So I'm proud about that. I love that. And we can tell just in Andy and I asking you a, a sentence question both of y'all have the ability to open and share. I can imagine, though, when you're first engaging with folks that you are interviewing and seeking to share their story, it may be a little bit challenging to get folks to kind of open up. Georgia, maybe there's some folks who are interested in podcasting or writing. What's typically your kind of process and how you engage and get people to sort of open up? in regards to a discussion or interview? Well, I mean, I do always try to be prepared and do my research. So if I have an assignment, I, I, I get a sense of their background. So I know I can have some speaking points if it's a little awkward in the beginning or, or if it's a little slow. But I think what I've learned with people is I try to let the conversation take a life of its own because if, you, if you're too rigid and too by the book with questions, it doesn't feel natural. So... I think a lot of times in my interviews, I've learned the power of a good pause. Some people need more time to think and more time to formulate what they're trying to say. So it's not always that they're uncomfortable, they just need time. So I think that's one thing I've learned 
in my interviews, don't be too rigid, let it flow and give people a chance. The, the pause is very effective, not just interviewing, but just in conversation with people and your friends and anybody you're talking to. It's one of the powerful interview tools. Chip, would you like to add to that? One thing to keep in mind that's especially unique for the magazines that we do is the folks that we're talking to and they're interviewing, these aren't celebrities that we're talking to. These aren't folks that are trained in the art of sitting for interviews and that kind of thing. These are, you know, again, I just, I don't even like the term regular people because everybody we meet is so extraordinary, you know, that we get to interact with in this magazine. But again, they're not, they're not celebrities. So the interview process is a, is more of an art for us because a lot of times you've, you've got to kind of really subtly but purposefully dig in and make sure you get these good stories out of folks, right? Because they all have them to tell, but a lot of folks just don't know how. And the other thing that we run into so often, and you know, we always get a kick out of this at the magazine, is a lot of times the folks that are doing the most good, which you know are the people we cover and the stories we tell, are the ones who least want the credit. Right. So that is a thing that we run into a lot where we've got someone who's doing an amazing thing for charity or raising money for an incredible cause or has adopted a cause and made a part of their life. And we want to share that story with the community, but often they don't want the spotlight. It's not why they got into it. So it is a little bit of a of a thing that we have to practice of being able to go in curious. You have to go in curious. And I tell all my writers, that's the only way to start. But making sure you give these folks sort of the space to be comfortable and to come out of their shells a little bit and start telling their stories. And once they get going, I mean, they're off and running. But it is it's a you know, it's a different sort of delicate thing because we're a hyper local community magazine versus the real people magazine. I I love that because really all heroes are humble, right? And it's that humility that makes them a hero, which makes uh, their stories great, but your job in telling their story even harder. If you could interview anyone in Seminole County, who would you interview? Georgia. Well, for me, it would be, and I'm not sure I'm saying her name right, Nicole Gillette, or Guillet, the county manager. We do a lot of stories on various aspects of Seminole County. I would just be fascinated to know what her job is like day to day running the operations of an entire county and sort of how she has to make decisions in commission meetings. And I mean, I think that would be fascinating because there's just so much there and she has to have that bird's eye view of what's going on in Seminole County. We actually interviewed the Castleberry city manager a few episodes back and I walked away thinking, I don't know what we're paying this guy, but it's not enough because <laughs> it was so much. <laughs> Chip, what about, what about you? If you could interview anybody, who would it be? Yeah, I've got a good one for you. A very specific Castleberry answer. I am going to have to go uh, Castleberry city commissioner, Anthony Aramindia. That guy, he and I went through leadership symbol together and got to be friends. And he is uh, a tremendous guy and also just a heck of a character. I mean, there is no such thing as a boring conversation with Anthony. So uh, anytime I can sit down with him, uh, it's always going to be fun. So we talked to a lot of government folks, a lot of local leaders, but conversation with him would always be a good time. It is. Drew, we need to have him on the show. He is a great Castleberry representative. Yeah, absolutely. 
And, you know, speaking of Castleberry, I think that's probably a good segue to the, to the next question I have, at least, is y'all don't necessarily live in Castleberry, but you do business and engage with so many. Uh, when you think about Castleberry, when you think about Seminole County, this really is a, a plug for our community based on this podcast. What makes our county special? in your opinion, what, what makes our county special here? Well, like we just talked about, I mean, I think we have such a strong foundation of local leaders that they just, when the foundation's strong, it sort of builds that great environment for all of the residents to thrive in. So I think people just, you know, because of that leadership and the decisions they've made to get us where we are today, people love living here. They love the school system. They love its natural beauty. So I think that Samuel County is really special in that way. It's not just because it just happened to be that way. I think it was very thoughtful leadership that got us here. Chip, did you want to add to that? Yeah, one thing I'll add is, you know, plug for the school system, right? Because, you know, you ask anybody, hey, why did you move to Seminole County? Oh, well, I came here for the schools. I think that has so many downstream consequences because if you're a parent who's moving to Central Florida, like let's say you got a job in Orlando and you're trying to figure out where to live and you decide, yeah, you know, I don't really want to live in the city. I keep hearing that these schools in Seminole County are amazing and, and my priority is to live where there are great schools. If that's your decision-making process, then you're probably good people, right? And that's what attracted so many good people, I think, to Seminole County is they came here purposefully because they were interested not just in themselves and, oh, I want to be five minutes from the office or whatever. They came here because they wanted to build a better future for the, their family and their kids after them. And again, when those are the kind of folks who are moving in, then you're going to build a good community that way. And Castleberry especially has benefited from this. Mm -hmm. And I think the school system is so good. You know, I met my wife when she was a teacher at Castleberry Elementary School. She was a teacher a young teacher at Castleberry Elementary School. My mom was working at Castleberry Elementary School as well. And then you can just sort of imagine what happened next. And the uh, next thing I know, <laughs> I was able to meet my wife. Yeah, I just, you know, when you have such great foundations in leadership, like Georgia talked about, in the school system, like we're talking about, good things are going to happen in the community. It's just inevitable. And Castleberry has really benefited from that tremendously, I think. We love those pandas. We're big panda fans here at the, the podcast, and uh, I would guess you are as well. So that's good. Oh, yeah. Two questions very quickly. The first one, a, a little cheeky question. I don't know if you can answer. What would it take to change the title of your magazine to Castleberry Altamont Wakiva Springs Magazine? I was, I was thinking the same thing. With Castleberry in bold, italic, underlined font. Oh, man. Oh man, I don't, I mean, a very, very heated argument slash discussion in the office. I don't want to say argument, but okay. what do you think? <laughs> I will tell you that it has come up in conversation in the office. It is something that we have talked about. Now, in all fairness to all the cities that we cover, Altamont Springs, Longwood, and Castleberry, you know, we've kicked around lots of different permutations, right? Longwood, Altamont Life, Longwood, and Castleberry Life, Cal Castleberry, Altamont Life. That kind of stuff. So it is something we do talk about. The reason we talk about it, because we have the four magazines, Lake Mary Life, Oviedo Winter Springs Life, J Life, the Jewish Community Magazine, and Altamont, Wakiva Springs Life. Those communities, Altamont, Longwood, Castleberry, they're really a diverse tapestry of communities. Each one is sort of very different than the other. 
So for us, there are a lot of different permutations on what we could call this thing and how we could go. So listen, I can't make any commitments now, but I'll tell you, stay tuned because you just never know what's going to happen. Well, you let us know because we're ready to advocate. I'm thinking Cast the magazine for, for Castleberry and the lesser cities around us. Something like that. Do you, can we do that? Is that, is that oh, awesome? yeah. That'll go over great. Don't you worry. The folks in Longwood, the folks in Altamont, there's no, no problem with that at all. Not a problem. All right. Guys, we have really loved this conversation. It's been incredible to understand more about the magazine, to hear some of the stories of the great things that are happening in our county and our community that you guys are, are highlighting. It's kind of strange because you guys are one of the great things in our community as well. It's almost like someone should write an article about you guys <laughs> and tell the great story of the magazine. In closing, how can people connect with the magazine? How can they follow, like, subscribe, all those kind of things? Okay, well, you can visit lakemarylife.com and on our landing page, we have all four of our sister publications up there. And if you don't receive any of our magazines already, you can sign up for a free subscription to have it mailed to your home every other month. You can also follow us on social media. We have a social media page for every, every one of our magazines. And we already have over, I think, 11,000 social media followers. And if you have a great story idea or just something, a story you want to tell with the Seminole County hook, you can email me at georgia at lakemarylife.com. And you can always get in touch with me, chip, C-H-I-P, at lakemarylife.com as well. And again, I do want to make one very critical point. Georgia alluded to it earlier. These magazines are not a gift from us. These magazines are a gift, a free gift from the advertisers who support our magazines and who want to reach out to the folks in the community. So if you like what Altamont Wakiva Springs Life is doing, if you like what our company is doing with the positive community news, don't thank us. We love it. We do it because we love it. Thank the businesses that you see in the pages because they are making these magazines happen and they want to talk to you. They are advertising in these hyper-local publications because they want to reach out directly to you and they would love it if you reached out to them. So please support them. That's the best way to support us. I love it. That's, that's great. Buy, get the magazine for the article and to see who these great sponsors are as well, because uh, they're so important in our community. Chip, Georgia, thank you so much for being with us. I hope our listeners will go to the website, will sign up, will subscribe, and help do their part to write some of these unique stories that are always bubbling up and emerging from our community. Thank you both so very much. Well, Drew, I, I really appreciate those guys and all that they do to strengthen our community. What a fascinating project. I'd love to uh, work a little bit more with them on discovering some stories and helping sharing some of the stories. As we prepare to close this mammoth and exciting episode, Drew, would you share with us a moment of inspiration? All right. Our quote for today uh, comes from the late, great Vince Lombardi, famous coach for the Green Bay Packers. And Vince Lombardi said, perfection is not attainable, but if we chase perfection, we can catch excellence. There's kind of a sports analogy there of catching something. Right, let me say it again. Perfection is not attainable, but if we, if we chase perfection, 
we can catch excellence. And I thought that was interesting in two regards. Number one, I felt like that quote was inspirational to show grace to those in your life. Uh, No one is perfect. All of us have areas of our lives that can be improved. Life is a journey. It's a marathon, uh, not a point in which we ever truly arrive. So showing grace to one another as everyone is walking along their, their life path. But I love the idea of when for us personally, when we pursue excellence, when we pursue even perfection, we, we're not going to get to perfection, but we will obtain excellence. And so thought of working hard. And frankly, for me, that, that was this was convicting because I feel compelled to model for my family, the community members, my, my church community, as well as my new son. What does it look like to be a good man, a good citizen, a good husband, father, friend, all these different roles that each and every one of us have, uh, seeking perfection. No, we won't get there, but we will catch excellence. So thank you, Coach Lombardi, for those inspirational words. And thanks, Drew, for sharing those with us. Friends, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of the What's Up Castleberry podcast, our casual conversation about our community. Uh, huge thanks to our producer, Robin Kepi, for all that she does. But for more information on our podcast, please check out our website, www.whatsupcastleberry.com, our Facebook page, Instagram, podcast feed, all with that same name, What's Up Castleberry. Please like and subscribe to our podcast. Please rate us and review us. Please make sure that you tune in next week for some other great content about happenings in our city. Take care. Have a great week. Bye-bye.